Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're having a good day. I know there's only a few days left in this year. You know, I try to come to you with sponsors that I believe will provide a high leverage change in your environment. I believe if you were to engage with today's sponsor, that a year from now, you could be in a totally different place as a church. This episode is sponsored by our good friends at Enjoy Stewardship Solution. I love these guys. They're founded in 1992 by number one leadership expert, Dr. John C. Maxwell. And this organization has been helping churches craft customized church capital campaigns to fund new facilities, upfit existing facilities, buy land, and pay off debt. More than 4,500 churches have raised more than $4.5 billion to fund their God-given vision. The reason why I'm excited about you to connect with them is because a year from now, I literally think things could be different at your church. I think if you were to get out and raise the resources that you need, a year from now, things could look totally different at your church. So what I want you to do is go to enjoystewardship.com forward slash rich. That's enjoystewardship.com forward slash rich. And you could find out there how much your church could raise in a capital campaign if it was led by Enjoy Stewardship Solutions. It's a great tool. I want you to check it out, enjoystewardship.com forward slash rich. All right, let's jump on with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you are tuned in today and you are in for a real treat today. Excited to have Josh Tremblay with us. He is from a church called Lifeboat Church. Excited to have you on the show today, Josh. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Why don't we start with you kind of telling us a little bit about your church, give us a sense of kind of uh, where your context, that kind of thing. So tell us about Lifeboat. Sure. Uh we uh, started four years ago, and we are just outside the city of Halifax in an area called mm-hmm. St. Margaret's Bay, and it's kind of like a suburban, rural-type spot. And yeah, so we've been doing it four years now, and we're kind of plugging away, trying to invest in our community and serve them, and have appreciated uh, on seminary greatly for all the help it's uh, given me. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate many logistics. Yeah, you and my mom. So I appreciate that. (laughs) That's a good. uh, That's a fun thing. Now, what? Why don't you, for folks that don't know, kind of give us the kind of lay of the land a little bit in kind of the Halifax and the greater Halifax metropolitan area. Uh, What's the spiritual makeup like there? You know, what is um, you know what's kind of the church landscape look like? What's it been like for you um, as you started off in this journey? For sure, Uh, it's. Uh, unique in the sense that it is very unchurched, but at the same time, it is an extremely traditional place. Mm -hmm. So to put it this way, I I do a lot of funerals. Uh, That's what I did when I first came here. I just did like about a hundred funerals a year. And uh, so you would talk to someone who would uh, subscribe to being Anglican, but they would have literally never stepped into an Anglican church in their life, nor would would their parents. You would have to actually go two generations, but yet they still identify as it. And and it's not just in the church world. It's also in the business world, too. There's this idea of familiarity. Uh, They want things that they know, uh, things that are proven. I've heard someone explain it that 
when people came over, you had the pilgrims and the settlers. Mm-hmm. And the settlers settled. They stayed. And the pilgrims kept moving across the country. <laughs> uh, so, wow. you know, whether that's true or not. So there, there's a lot of that. You know, it takes time to they, – they like to take their time before they really commit to things. They really want to know who their people are. And we've seen this in the church world. The churches where the pastors have been here for a long time working mm-hmm. and then have gone to plant – They've had a, a lot more uh, success in numbers and gaining uh, credibility with unchurched people. It's 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 been unique to watch over the last while. Yeah, absolutely. So now that obviously has uh, presented a challenge as you've started off and kind of got the ball rolling at at Lifeboat. How? What are some of the things you've done to try to? mitigate that or to kind of, you know, acknowledge that, Hey, that, that seems to be the cultural makeup. Um, and so what, what are you doing to kind of move that, that forward? Uh, for us, it's really just getting involved in what the community is doing already. Uh, so, you know, I joined the chamber of commerce and we participate in their community events, try Mm -hmm. to get involved in those things. Uh, I serve at the school, and uh, then we do our serve events from our church and in our small groups. But it's really just connecting with what's already happening, not coming in and trying to reinvent the wheel and show that we're new, bigger, better, but uh, right. show that we have some, we want to participate with them in the community. Huh, interesting. Um, no, I, I can imagine in that kind of context, you know, Churches leading in any church is difficult. It's hard. It's um, not straightforward. And you know, in the context you're in, uh, you know, you've that's an interesting way to describe it. It's this kind of unchurched but traditional area. Um, I would imagine that that has a certain amount of impact even on your own kind of interior world as you think about how you lead, because you know, there's got to be that. Um, like, oh, like if I was somewhere else, this would be so much easier. Or if I was, you know, doing this, which which I think people feel in all kinds of places, but when they're in what I think externally looking at least seems like a tough place, uh, you know, to be. What what's kind of gone on on the interior of your leadership as you've been thinking about and leading and then praying and um, you know, journeying through, struggling through leading over these years? Yeah, for sure. It's a challenge. Uh, what I've learned most, like this was my first lead position when I came to plant this church. So mm-hmm. you have that learning curve of just now being the the primary leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there's, I think, a lot of trial and error. Because uh, mm you don't always know what's going to stick. And so, Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably been my biggest struggle as a leader because I'm the type of person who loves ideas and I love to try things. Um, I don't know if you know about uh, Berkman, uh, the assessment. Mm -hmm. A little bit. Tell us about it though. Well, so I'm a Berkman consultant actually. And uh, so one of the components, it measures change. Mm-hmm. And my change is a 99, which is the highest possible score. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, so like, I like to like keep changing. So I think for me, it was learning when to change and when not to change. Mm, oh, and, and, and because I'm also a high structure type person, 
you know, I like to put in all these structures. So I would listen to a podcast or read a book. And I, and what I found is that I was continually changing, moving mm-hmm. things, which doesn't always work for a culture that doesn't really enjoy change. Right. It doesn't value that. <laughs> yeah. That's not a, it's not a high priority. Not a high priority at all. And so, uh, yeah, so like I, I've just found a big learning curve for me mm-hmm. personally in that area, trying to connect and be patient. And I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing for where I am because it's, it's not the city. It's really made up of either people who grew up here mm-hmm. and which I did and then moved back after being away for 15 years mm-hmm. or there are people from small town Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. who got jobs in the city but do not want to live in the city. Mm-hmm. And so you still have that small town way of viewing life. Right. Uh, so it it takes patience and uh and, and I think that's probably the hardest thing, the biggest lesson I've had to learn as I travel through this. Interesting. Well, I know um I think we all one of the things we struggle with, we all can struggle with is um, ensuring that there isn't a blurring of the lines between our calling and who we are uh, before Jesus, that kind of what we do and his view on us, really our identity, um, that you know, we want to make sure we don't get those two mixed up. How, what has that journey been like for you as you've led, um, you know, you, obviously you're saying this is your first kind of lead role. So that's, that's kind of a new piece of the puzzle, but how, you know, kind of what is the journey you're on from, you know, your own identity, how that relates to your walk with God? What does that look like uh, for you? I think when I started the church, I really attached who I am to how well the church did. Mm. Uh, I watched the metrics a lot. And, 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 and again, I love systems. I love metrics. I love uh, the way we do church, getting really into it. Mm-hmm. But I found I was attaching who I am, my own self-worth to those things. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I know I've been in church world long time, you know, it's easy for your emotions to go, you know, up and down depending on the Sunday. Uh, mm. But, but this, I think for me, it was unique. And in fact, last year, it really came to a head for me. Uh, I, like I ended up with uh, shingles oh, so wow. from stress. And so here I was in bed and I had to ask myself some hard questions. Right. Uh, you know, how did I end up here? Uh, why was I so stressed, stressed out? Um, where was I putting my hope? And, you know, as I explored that, I found I'm putting my hope in, hey, how can I do this better? How can I reach people? And I really had removed God from the equation. Mm. So instead of making sure that I was healthy so I could do the work that God had called me to, I was trying to do it without him, maybe trying to prove myself to him or prove myself to others. But, mm-hmm. you know, I really lost who I was in that. Right. Well, and I think a lot of us can identify with that. Even there's that notion, you know, I know for myself, there's that notion of like, um, I think I think the Lord is happy with us when we are, you know, engaged in his ministry. I think that's true. But there's a weird 
blurry line there where it's like we think the Lord is only happy <laughs> if we're engaged right. uh, in that, and we we um, you know we we get really kind of um, turned around or can get into you know get end up in our heads too much around. Um, you know, well, what kind of worth do we bring and whose ministry really is it? And, you know, ultimately, what are we trying to do? How are we, you know, what is our place before God? That that sort of thing. Um, now, how have you, how has that, you know, kind of your journey through that experience, how has that ended up trickling down and impacting the way you serve today or the way you've, you serve other people? Well, I had to like relax. (laughs) (laughs) Chill out. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, set up time. Any church that sets up knows there is pain in the process. Right. Uh, And I, you know, I found I was getting to the point where if the seams of the drapes were facing outward instead of inward, I was convinced that God wasn't going to move in anyone's life today. Mm. Uh, I just had to relax a little bit. And so I had to learn to uh, breathe, you know, mm. <laughs> breathe uh, when faced with those situations mm-hmm. about the drapes, uh, mm-hmm. like totally. something's <laughs> very small and it, it's really helped me in the other areas, but I really had to just, I had to really change my expectations. I had to set some things aside that we were doing as a church Mm-hmm. Um, as far mm-hmm. as the, the, for lack of a better word, the performance of the church, uh, you know, the Sunday show, these are not great words to use, but, right. Right. but, but, you know, we are, we want to attract people. We want people to enjoy coming. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so there were certain aspects I had to relax on and put aside for my own mm-hmm. health and the health of my team that served mm-hmm. because, you know, there when the the leader acts in that way, when the leader's living that way, there's collateral damage and it affects team. You know, we lost team members and some of that was because of my stressed out Sunday morning uh, routine, making sure everything was set up. And, and that really doesn't help our witness. Mm-hmm. And so what I had to learn is that I had to kind of deconstruct Sunday, simplify it for a moment, mm-hmm. get myself right and then I'm in the place to start to add these systems and add these things back into what we did mm. so that we can reach some people. We need to get healthy. Sure. And I need to get healthy so sure. that we could more effectively reach people. Yeah, that's very good. Now, what would you say? I'm going to play a little bit of the, I don't like saying devil's advocate, but, uh, you know, just a kind of a contrary view or a different piece of the way, way to look at this. Um you know, I think the Lord is calling us to make a difference. He's calling us to impact our communities. And so how, you know, for folks that are saying like, oh, it sounds like what you're saying is that like metrics and systems, they're just, they're the enemy or they're, they're the thing that we should not care about. But that's not, you know, that, um, you know, that doesn't, that's not your, the total picture of what you're saying. You're saying in context, they're not, uh, they're not everything. Uh, t- what, what, tell, tell us about that. What do you think about kind of the metrics and systems now that you've, as you've been journeying through this as a leader? Uh, we need them. They keep us sane. They help us to do <laughs> our work more effectively, but we must realize that they are not God. They are not the thing that we serve. And, uh, you know, there are seasons in our life and, and there may be seasons for our own health 
that we need to set them aside, but we must not throw the baby out with the bathwater. What I have found is that when we can make ourselves healthy first, when we can realize, when we can find ourselves as strong, that then gives us the confidence and the freedom to then be creative, to then implement things better in order to lead people better. I I really think we need to get to ourselves and have and uh, get back to God. I really declaring who we are Mm -hmm. because sometimes Mm -hmm. a system doesn't work in a Mm -hmm. particular context. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when that fails, well, that could just destroy my own self-worth. But if I built who I am in Christ first, Mm-hmm. I, I can try and I can fail and I can keep trying again. Right. Uh, and innovate even. But mm-hmm. it, and it doesn't change who, who Christ has declared me to be. It doesn't change my self-worth. You know, it doesn't right. mean I'm stupid or that I am a failure. It just means I can get up and I can keep trying and I can try again. I can try and do it relentlessly and with tenacity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, I, you know, even that idea that at the end of the day, um, you know, because our our ultimate identity is in Jesus, um, that should actually give us great freedom to be like, hey, we'll try whatever, because yeah. <laughs> if this blows up in my face, at the end of the day, God loves me uh, dearly. Now, you've actually written a book on this topic called Hidden Faces, Discovering Our True Identity in Christ. What, uh, you know, it's a lot of time after energy. This is a significant book. This isn't like a little, you know, book that I write. Um, it's like, there's a lot to it here. What led you to the place where you say, hey, that's kind of what I want to do. I want to inv- invest the time, effort, and energy uh, to make that happen? Uh, what what brought you to that place? Well, first off, it was encouragement from your podcast. You've, you've talked about it uh, on how easy it is sure. to publish a book through Amazon. And you've talked yep. about how uh, pastors just need to do Absolutely. it. You have all the content. So you're blaming me. Yeah, yeah. Well, my <laughs> wife my wife blames you all that time. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> But I I did a series called Hidden Faces at my church, uh, exploring identity and where we place our identity. Uh And uh, it just clicked with people. You know, just one of those series that it just seems seemed to impact everyone in the room. Uh And uh, and I've always felt called to write. And so, you know, this gave a great opportunity to – Take though that series, I expanded it, added it a few more chapters, and uh, just uh, in, you know, it's been a great opportunity to even connect with people in our community and say, "Hey, here's a book from our mm-hmm. local church." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was going through. So while the churches, I needed to deal with this as well, right? So mm-hmm. I really pour my own story and uh, yeah, my own story on on how I came to identify myself in Christ and some of the issues in my own life. Right. Now, what would you, uh, let's, first of all, well, before we jump into the content of the book, I'd love to get, kind of dig a little bit more there. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit of a meta level. What impact did it have on the church? How how has it kind of, um, you know, you've used it as a tool in that context to help uh, with the church? Well, a book not everyone reads, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, 
But yet, you know, there's an excitement around it. People were talking about how they have a chance to give something to their friends, mm-hmm. like in their hand. Mm-hmm. And I find it in our context, it's a lot less threatening than an invitation to church. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if we have to be patient in this context, if we are playing the long game, then mm-hmm. let's play the long game and let's right. do it the best we can. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there hasn't been explosive growth because of it, no, but we yeah. have got it into people's hands who have connected with the content and, and it has started conversations mm-hmm. for different folks. Very cool. Um, now, is there a, now you said you had added a bit of content to it. Um, what was that that you added into it that wasn't a part of uh, the series? There are uh, just ex- – I expanded some of the stories to articulate them, uh, you know, in a more book format. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I – while the first chapter, I really explored this idea of identity and rooting ourselves in Christ. Mm-hmm. All the other chapters kind of look at the specific issues that we end up rooting ourselves in. Mm-hmm. So I use the idea of faces that we put on. Mm-hmm. These faces and the God-given identity that he has placed upon our life is masked underneath all these different faces that we pile on. So explore things like our past and jealousy, our glory days, anger, regret, bitterness, uh, racism, and hatred. And and even uh, I have a specific chapter that's for people in the ministry where we place our call as a face. Hmm. That's interesting. That's cool. Has there been one particular face that, you know, as it's been out there, it's been read by your people, even the series that, um, you know, seems to resonate more than others that people seem to be like, Ooh, that that's actually what I struggle with. You're, you know, there's a little bit of that, like you wrote that chapter just for me, <laughs> you know, is, is there, has there been one chapter that kind of, um, stands above the others? Well, it's, uh, interesting because it's different, uh, different things. It all depends on who's reading it. Uh, there's been a lot of connection with with the bitterness and mm-hmm. our past, as well mm-hmm. as anger, mm-hmm. and uh, with some of the calling. Uh, people aren't always ready to rec- uh, to admit that they're putting their placing their identity in their glory days or uh, or in hatred for another mm-hmm. person, but. Uh, but yeah, it's those ones specifically have uh, anger, calling, bitterness, and uh, like when I say past, I'm talking about the things done to us and words spoken over us mm-hmm. in our past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, those have really resonated with people. Absolutely. Well, I would encourage people to pick this up. Um, I'm assuming they can get it at Amazon. Uh, are there other places they can uh, they can pick up the text? It's exclusively on Amazon. All the Amazon stores. So nice. It's great. Yeah. And it's a, uh, you know, this would be a great resource for, and I think also for church leaders that are listening in that are, that are maybe thinking about writing a book and are like, Hey, what could you, how could I produce this? What could I make this look like? Is the kind of thing, um, even just to order that and get a sense of it, you'd be like, Oh wow, this is a great, what a great tool, uh, for using in my church. I think it could be a huge, uh, you know, a huge kind of add to what, uh, we're doing. Is there anything else you'd, you'd love to share about the book or about something going on at the church before we, uh, before we wrap up for the day? Well, I did put uh, questions 
in each chapter. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, to make it easy to use for small groups, I really do think that things that are deeply personal like this are actually best explored within community and within mm -hmm. groups. Uh, mm -hmm. Confession is good for the soul. Yes. And uh, we need people to hold us accountable as well. So, yeah, I put those, I put some simple questions in there to really uh, bring the chapter together in discussion. So, uh, it's great for small groups. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what even we've been using uh, or are looking to use in our church as well. For, that's cool. Good. Well, I, Josh, I really appreciate you uh, being on the show today. If people want to get in touch with you uh, or the church, what's the best way for them to do that? For sure, you can find me. I have a website, joshtrombley.com, and uh, I blog there twice a week, and all and my socials are on there. You can find me at Joshua Trombley on all the different socials or the church at lifeboatchurch.ca or com. Nice. Great. Appreciate you being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.